Good morning again. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, today called True-ish. True-ish, right? Kind of a little bit of a made-up word, but it's on uh, the subject of, of truth. And uh, I came across a uh, website this week that was full of uh, what I would call angst-ridden adults uh, that were upset about things as they grew older that their parents uh, told them were true that turned out not to be true, all right? And there's this website where just person after person, angst-ridden adult was kind of posting about these things. Um, one person complained, and this is the second person I've heard poll this, and it's kind of ingenious and wrong at the same time. But one person complained that their mother told them uh, that the ice cream truck only plays music when they're out of ice cream. And so when the ice cream truck comes around and is playing music, that's just because they're out of ice cream, right? Uh, another person talked about how they were told uh, that if they ate the core of the apple, an apple tree would grow inside their belly, right? You may have been told that. Um, uh, an- another person, and this one I honestly think is the worst, uh, their mother told them that if they swallowed gum, they would die instantly. <laughs> Apparently, a mother got tired of their child swallowing gum. Uh, another person was told that when they went to the movies, uh, the, the giant screen uh, w- w- was up front, and somewhere there was an equally large giant VCR in which they were putting in a videotape. Uh, and parents, you can explain to your kids later what a VCR is. Um, another person, you may have been told this one too, they were told that rain was, uh, it rains when God cries, and thunder is God rearranging his furniture. So, you know, that, that's something they were told. But I think we all, as we start this series, we all kind of get this idea that some things are true and some things uh, are not true. Some things are lies, however you want to describe that. And that. But I think this is one of the reasons that I'm kind of excited about this series, that we're going to be in this until about mid-July. Uh, each week is a, a standalone uh, Sunday because we know that people are on vacation in the summer and, and in and out quite a bit. So each week's going to stand alone. But the statements that we are going to look at in this series, uh, it's not as simple as just right and and wrong. These statements are true-ish, right? They they, they almost sound true. They almost sound right. But when we get into it, I'm hopeful that we can point out in in each of the statements that uh, these statements do not represent God's best for us. And they are sort of true. We'll talk about how they're sort of true. But there is a life and there is a truth that God has in store for us that is so much better. So let's pray together as we start. All right. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this morning. And uh, God, we, uh, we're going to talk about this next week, but we want to walk in truth. Uh, we want to walk in your truth because your truth represents uh, the best thing for us. So help us in this series to, to walk in your truth and to love your truth and to embrace your truth. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the very first statement that I wanted to examine together as we start this series is this one up on the screen for you. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? Doesn't God just want me to be happy? And I think there's a lot of reasons uh, why we feel this way, but probably the number one reason we feel this way about God is that we live in a culture that is borderline obsessed with happiness. Uh, we, we just do. Everybody wants it. Everybody's kind of finding it elusive. And I think we're in this kind of place in in our country's life right now where the pursuit of happiness is our highest priority. Uh, You see it in our advertising. When I was growing up, advertisements were generally about how a product will make your life better. 
All right, if you get this detergent, if you get this cleaning product, whatever, this is going to make cleaning easier. This is going to make your life better. The advertisements today, by and large, almost every product promises happiness. Right? McDonald's says, wake up to happiness. Wake up to happiness. Coca-Cola says, open happiness. Trident says, and this is just a flat-out lie, that they are a little piece of happiness. Really, Trident, you got a piece of gum the size of a Tic Tac. All right, so um, Trident says that, all right, don't email me about your love for Trident, okay? I'm just totally teasing. But um, Dunkin' Donuts says you can't put a price on happiness. So I, I think this idea of the pursuit of happiness being as Americans and just where our culture is right now, our number one priority, it can be seen in a lot of places. I think one of the best ways it can be seen is in our parenting. That I read a recent study that said, An overwhelming number of parents feel that their number one priority as a parent is to give their children opportunities so their children can discover what makes them happy. Right? So as parents, and every study shows this, as parents, we have determined that our number one job as parents is to help our kids be happy. Now, here's what's interesting about this, is that another recent study showed that kids today are busier, more stressed, and more depressed than they've ever been. So we have viewed as our parents that our number one priority as parents is to help our children pursue happiness, and our kids are busier, more stressed, and more depressed than they've ever been in history. Something's broken, right? So, some, something's broken, and and so it's found it's find, found its way into our parenting. I, it's no surprise to me that it's found its way into our relationship with our heavenly Father. That we assume, I think, a lot of times that God, as our heavenly Father, His number one priority should be to make sure I, I'm happy. Now, I think it's important that we hit pause here just for a minute. Because I think it would be equally untrue to say that God has no interest in your happiness. I don't think that's fair or that's right either, that God has no interest in your happiness or or joy. As a matter of fact, there are multiple passages throughout the scriptures that would intimate that God is interested uh, on on some level on our happiness and our joy. Let me show you uh, this text in 1 Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to put their hope and wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything with our enjoyment. So there's this theology behind this verse that says that our God is a providing God. And when Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will talk about the provision of God being that God meets our needs, that God takes care of our needs, that you don't need to worry about needs. God is going to meet and address your needs. Paul applies that same theology in a little bit of a different way here. Paul applies this theology that part of God's provision is our enjoyment of life. And we understand this as earthly parents, because obviously we, pr- we provide for our kids food and shelter and clothing. We provide for their needs. But on some level, every parent I've ever met also provides for their children's enjoyment, provide for them experiences and vacations and all that. And that God, part of God's creating and part of God's providing was for the enjoyment of his people. So when you go to the mountains this summer on vacation, Enjoy the mountains. They were created in part for your enjoyment. When you go to the ocean, enjoy the ocean. They were created in part for your enjoyment. When you get a dog, enjoy your dog. When you get a cat, take it back and get a dog. All right. Um, 
right? So what Paul is trying to teach Timothy here is that God does provide things for our enjoyment, but enjoyment and happiness is not ultimate. It is not our hope. So he says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but instead put your hope in God. And that right there, that statement right there is where we go wrong. That I think a lot of people make the pursuit of happiness the goal of their life and faith. That I just want to be happy. And what you discover when you do that, what you discover when you do that, is what a terrible master happiness is. That when, mas- when, when happiness becomes your master, happiness is a terrible master. And you probably know people just like I do. They have done all sorts of things in the name of happiness. You, you know people just like that. They have fallen into addictions. They have ruined relationships. They have made decisions they later regret. Because happiness as a master leads us to dark places by and large. Happiness as a master, Paul will say, is also very uncertain. Right, this is Paul's point when he says, man, don't put your, your hope in, in, in happiness in terms of money because that is just an uncertain master. We, we, Cheryl and I discovered this firsthand that for our 10-year anniversary, we, I planned a trip to New York City for us to go and enjoy the city and four or five days there. And uh, our, we decided to go in February, which in hindsight was the mistake uh, to, to go to New York City uh, in February. But man, two weeks before that vacation... If you would have said to me, how certain are you that you're going on this trip? I was very certain. It was all paid for. Everything was ready to go. I was certain that we were going on this vacation. And then snow came to New York City in vast, unreal amounts. And and the airport there got closed down. So we said, oh, man, we can't go. And they said, no, we think they're going to accept flights tomorrow. So go over to Indianapolis. We can get you on a flight tomorrow, and and you can go. So we drove from St. Louis to Indianapolis to get that flight. And a freak storm that wasn't even in the forecast hit Indianapolis. God did not want us to go on this trip. It it became pretty clear that that I would have told you I was certain that we were going. Uh, and, And then the trip got canceled. So he says, man, putting your hope and your joy and happiness in terms of money, uh, it is just uncertain. Uh, Call 2011 and ask. So we know that's that's uncertain. We know that health as a source of happiness is uncertain because every person in this room has gotten a phone call uh, about ourselves or a loved one that changed everything. Uh, We know that having our happiness wrapped up in our kids is uncertain. Have your kids ever done anything that have, have made you disappointed or angry? No, nobody here. That's not happening to anybody here. No, right? No, we, we know that this stuff is uncertain because happiness as a master is certain. We know that happiness as a master cannot be satisfied. Right? You know just as well as I do that people that try to find their happiness in food, that a lot of times all of a sudden you find yourself overeating or experiences when they become your source of happiness, that you're coming home from vacation and you're planning the very next vacation. Uh, money, we know that from statistics. You know, statistics show... That when you ask people how much more money do you need to be happy, across the board, the number is 20% more than I currently have. Because happiness as a master is never satisfied. So listen to me. God's not opposed to your happiness. He's absolutely not. He created things in this world and in our life for us to enjoy them. He's opposed to happiness being your master. Because happiness is a terrible master. And so God is opposed to happiness being your master because he knows, he knows he has something better for you. 
So if the pursuit of happiness is not to be our master, what exactly is supposed to be our master? What is our life supposed to be about? Jesus was asked this very question one time. They came to him and said, teacher, what is life all about? What are the greatest commandments? And let me put up on the screen for you what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second command is, is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus would say, if you're looking for what should my life be about, he says, what your life should be about is not the pursuit of happiness. What your life should be about is loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Follow Jesus. Follow God. He is the master that happiness can never be. Jesus is the master happiness can never be. Happiness leads us to dark places. The Bible says repeatedly Jesus leads us to light. Happiness is never able to be fully satisfied. Jesus leads us to a place of contentment. Happiness is so uncertain. Jesus has proven himself again and again and again as ultimately certain by going to the cross, paying for our sins, three days later rising again. And so ultimately what Jesus is inviting us to is to replacing whatever master we have put our hope and our trust in, replacing that terrible master and replacing him With Jesus. So instead of the pursuit of happiness being our master, Jesus, following God, uh, wherever he wants us to go, becomes our master. And here's the thing that Jesus does that I just love. Is anybody that's followed Jesus for any length of time knows that sometimes Jesus leads us to places that are, can I say, hard sometimes. And Jesus leads us to places that don't necessarily traditionally bring happiness in the moment. But they are absolutely essential for our health, and they are essential for our growth, and they are essential for us to live the life that he wants us to live. But Jesus does not always lead us directly to the place that's going to bring us happiness in the moment. Sometimes he leads us to places that are hard and sometimes difficult. I'm going to show you this in a minute. But first, let me just say, we understand this greatly from a human perspective. Because every one of us that has children or grandchildren, you've had an experience of taking your kids to a doctor's office because they have a sore throat or something, and you find out that they are going to need a shot to get well, or they're going to need a swab in their throat to find out how sick they are, and you make the appointment. You drive them to the doctor's office. You lead them down that kind of hallway to the, to the office. You take them in there and you sit with them. And when it's time to do that thing, you restrain them and force them to do that. All right? You, you, you lead them to that thing that's not fun in the moment, but it is necessary because you've realized this. Not everything that results in good makes us happy in the moment. Not everything that ultimately results in good makes us happy in the moment. And this is Jesus' point uh, at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. This is Jesus' point. He's going to talk about places that he leads us to that do not necessarily make us happy in the moment, but ultimately they result in God's blessing. So let me show you this list, and then we'll talk about it just a little bit more. Here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of that doesn't sound fun at all. All right. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus uses this super interesting word to describe this idea of blessing. And the Greek word that he uses is makarios. And it stands in direct contrast to our American idea of happiness. That happiness is a word that by and large describes a set of good circumstances that we have pursued or have come to us that make us, in short, happy. So like, I just got a new job, it makes me happy. Or I just got a new house, it makes me happier. I just got this vacation scheduled, it makes me happy. Makarios is, is different than that. It is a sense of contentment or satisfaction or peace and joy that we have, not because of our circumstances, but because God himself has given us those things. All right, so Makarios is, is from God. It's a sense of joy, peace, contentment, and satisfaction that comes from God uh, and only really from God. And so since blessing, this idea of blessing, since it comes from God, here's what that means. Nobody can take it away from you. And so the text is showing us this thing where Jesus leads us to these places that are a little bit hard and don't bring us happiness in the moment. But Jesus leads us to these places and he promises us blessing if we'll follow him. He promises us contentment and joy and peace and salvation. He has this whole list of comfort. He promises us all these things if we will follow him where he wants us to take him. And here's the ultimate point that I want to make to you. Blessing from God is better than happiness. Blessing is better than happiness. And it's hard for us, I think, to accept that statement because we are so wired for happiness. We are so wired for happiness. We are so wired to pursue happiness, but blessing is better than happiness. So last year, uh, we took Sam to the happiest place on earth for kids. Disney World. All right? In case you didn't know. All right? Also the most expensive place on earth, as it would have it. But um, we went to the happiest place on earth. And he had a great time. I think he would probably tell you it was his favorite vacation that he's been on in his five years. He'd love to go back at some point. Um, we're going to have to do a second mortgage on the house or something. But um, it was a cool experience for all of us. But I would like to think that week of happiness pales in comparison to the day-to-day blessing that comes from being a family. Right? Because blessing is better than happiness. And I think we find ourselves sometimes pursuing happiness when the reality, the ways that God wants to bless us, the place that he's leading us, and the way that he wants to bless us uh, is consistent and sure. We, We can rely on it. In other words, it's promised. It can't be taken away. It's internal, and so it's something we can carry with us better. That blessing from God is so much better than happiness in so many ways. And so you see in this text that there are these places Jesus wants to lead you. And there are these places that Jesus wants to lead me. uh, That happiness, if happiness is your master, happiness will never lead you to these places. But these are the places of ultimate blessing from God. Um, they are places like in the first couple of verses of that text, he talks about our attitude and posture toward God, uh, that we, want, we should be poor in spirit. You know what being poor in spirit is? Poor in spirit is saying, I cannot save myself. I cannot make myself well. I need Jesus. Uh, he, he talks about mourning, 
This describes the, the thing that happens to a lot of people when they realize that they're in sin or they realize they have sin, that there's this spiritual mourning that takes place. He talks about meekness. Meekness is a quality that says, I don't need to use my power to get what I want. I can rely on the blessing and grace of, of Jesus. And here's what I want you to see right from the very beginning. Happiness will not lead you to these places. Happiness just won't. As a master, happiness will not lead you to being poor in spirit and meek and mourning. Happiness will lead you to places like you are the center of the universe and what you desire matters most. Happiness will not lead you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you kidding me? Right? To hunger and thirst for what is right? No, happiness as a master will never lead you to that place. Happiness will lead you to hunger and thirst for what makes you happy or what fulfills you or what feels good. Happiness as a master will never lead you to mercy or peacemaking or grace. You know why? Because uh, peacemaking and mercy and grace, biblically speaking, are about other people. Now, I find, it, I find this interesting, and this is a separate sermon for a separate day. But in America, we have tried to make mercy and peacemaking and grace about us by, by saying, well, I'm doing this for me, not for you. I'm, for, I'm forgiving you for me. And I get that, and there's, it's, it's true-ish, right? Maybe that should be part of the series, right? It's, it's true-ish, and, and I get how we all feel that way, but biblically speaking, mercy and peacemaking and grace is about other people. That I am forgiving you. I am showing you kindness because of the kindness God has shown to me. By and large, it is about other people. And there's this other side of this, of why happiness will never lead us to these places, is that if we can just be honest in church for a minute, which I like to do, right? I think it's a good place for honesty, but there is something sometimes about being vengeful and angry that feels good. That sometimes we want to be angry for, for a variety of reasons. And so happiness as a master will attempt to satisfy that part of us that maybe wants or likes to be mad. It will not lead us to mercy and peacemaking and grace. Happiness obviously will not lead you to purity. Purity is an idea that says some things are right and some things are wrong because God says so, because God's word says so. And happiness as a a master is just not going to lead us to that place. It's going to lead us to this place of doing what I want because of how it makes me feel. Now listen, I want to say this again. God is not opposed to your happiness. I feel like I just went on a a 15-minute like anti-happiness rant, right? No, 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 no. If that's what you're hearing, I I think you're mishearing me. Because God is not opposed to, to your happiness. Happiness makes a terrible master. Happiness makes a terrible master. And happiness will not lead you to the places you need to go to find ultimate blessing from, from God. Um, and so when happiness is our master, we miss this thing that Jesus likes to do sometimes. Where Jesus likes to lead us to this place where we don't feel happy in the moment. And what he's asking of us is actually kind of hard. But he leads us to this place because it is the ultimate place of God's blessing. You see it all throughout his ministry. He goes up to a tax collector who's been getting rich off his own countrymen and giving the money to Rome and pocketing some of it for himself for years and years and years. And Jesus goes and he has lunch with the guy. 
And I'd like to, I'd like to know what happened at this lunch uh, because it's super interesting. The tax collector leaves the lunch and he says, I am going to return every single dime that I have stolen plus. And he empties out his bank account. Now, do you think that was like a super happy thing to do in the moment to go from super rich to super poor? It, it probably wasn't. It was pro- there was probably a part of that that was really, really hard, but he went there. He meets up with a fisherman, Jesus does, and he tells him that to, to leave his life of fishing behind because he's going to become a fisher of men. And Jesus invites him to follow me. And, and these early fishermen, they left everything behind. Can you imagine doing this? Left their job, their family, their sense of, uh, their, their, their sense of uh, stability. They left all of that behind to follow Jesus. Now, do you think that made them super happy in the moment to leave behind their family and to leave behind their job and to like just follow this new rabbi that was kind of new onto the scene? I think that was pretty hard. Um, A woman is caught in the act of adultery and Jesus has an interaction with her and and Jesus says, uh, look around, uh, look look around. Does anybody here condemn you? And is anybody here left to condemn you? And she says, no, nobody's left here. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I don't imagine that was super easy at the beginning. She had fallen into some habits. Uh, most commentators believe she was most likely a prostitute, which represented her, her way of living. And, and Jesus called her to leave all of that behind. He leads people all throughout the Gospels to places that are sometimes hard. And they don't represent where we, places where we find traditional blessing. right? Being meek, not using your power to, to get what you want. Right? That's a place Jesus leads us. Mourning over our sin. Being poor in spirit. Hungering and thirsting for what is right. These are places that Jesus leads us that, that are not places where we necessarily feel happy in the moment, but they are the place where richest blessing comes. And as you study the Gospels, Jesus invites people to this journey again and again and again. And you know what? They go. They go. They follow him. And, and you know why they go? Um, why they would go to, to, to a place that doesn't necessarily make them happy. Let me put it up on the screen for you. Here's why they went. The pursuit of their pleasure and happiness doesn't hold a candle to the place of God's blessing. And if you're going to follow Jesus, and if I'm going to follow Jesus unconditionally, and we're going to say, Jesus, um, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. Wherever you want me to go, you you want me to mourn over my sin, I will mourn over my sin. You want me to stop using my power and control to get what I want, I'm going to stop doing that. You want me to hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to break off some bad habits, break off some relationships. I'm going to go, Jesus, wherever you lead me. If we are going to have a chance at doing that as a people, this statement, it's kind of worded in a little bit of a clunky way. I I worked on it hard to try to get it to be more pithy. Um, And uh, pithy wasn't in the cards this week, I'm sorry, but... This statement needs to find its way into our heart and our mind. The pursuit of my pleasure and happiness doesn't hold a candle to the place of God's blessing. Here's in short what we need to start believing. The place of God's blessing is better than happiness. The place of God's blessing is better than happiness because it's internal. I can take it wherever it goes. Nobody can take it from me because it's from God. Um, It's a sense of joy and peace and contentment that God leads us to these places that are kind of hard, and then he promises blessing once we get there. And if you want to know an example of a biblical person 
that found this in spades, I want you to read this week, starting in Genesis 12, the story of Abraham. Because Abraham is a guy that God came to and he says, I want you to leave your country and your family and your father's household and all this stuff. I want you to leave all this stuff and I want you to go. Go where? To a land I will show you at some point. Start walking into the desert. And Abraham knew it was going to be hard. As a matter of fact, it was so hard for Abraham, in in case you're feeling self-conscious, it was so hard for Abraham that he didn't even fully obey. Uh, He took his uh, relative Lot that God told him to leave behind, and um, it was a lovely experience traveling with Lot. But anyway, uh, read the story, and that'll all make sense. So, but Abraham went. And he went because he absolutely, I mean, uh, he, he had a life, he had a job, he had a family, he had contentment, he had all of that stuff, but he realized, man, the pursuit of my pleasure and happiness, it doesn't hold a candle to the place of God's blessing. So I'm going to follow God where he leads me. So, doesn't God just want me to be happy? Well, yes and no. I want to affirm to you that there's tons of happiness in following Jesus. Um, person after person in this room could pop up right now and tell you places of great joy and great happiness that has come into their life because they have followed Jesus. So there's tons of happiness in following Jesus. But that very question, doesn't God just want me to be happy? That very question makes the idea of happiness a higher priority than it should be. Say, doesn't God just want me to be happy? People have done um, unthinkable things in the name of that, honestly. Um, they've done unthinkable things, things that they never would have done be- because they asked that, that question to begin with. So does God want me to be happy? Well, yes and no. He, he makes sense for our enjoyment. He leads us to those places. But there's a better statement. And it's not a question. It's a statement. God wants me to follow Jesus. God wants me to follow Jesus. And Jesus will lead me to blessing. Jesus will lead me to blessing. Is he going to lead you to a place sometimes that doesn't make you super happy in the moment? I don't know anybody that likes to mourn. Right? Mourning over their sin is kind of a downer. It's why a lot of TV preachers that you listen to will never even mention it. Because it's, kind of it's kind of a bummer. And you lose TV audience when you start talking about that. Um, so yeah, Jesus is going to lead us to these places that are kind of hard and difficult. That was a little mini rant there. I'm sorry. That was it. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting into a little bit of rant here. I need to finish up. All right. But so he leads us to these places that are sometimes hard. But he promises that there'll be blessing there. So I just want to encourage you to think about what, what is like your next step with Jesus? What, where is the place that he wants to lead you? What is the place that maybe you've resisted where you know he's trying to lead you? What, what is your next step of obedience? What is your next step of faithfulness? What is your next step with Jesus? Because God wants me to follow Jesus and Jesus always leads me to blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your leadership. Uh, we thank you for the places that you're leading us. And uh, um, I really do think, Lord, that um, don't you just want us to be happy um, is, is the wrong question to ask. Um, and I, I want to stay away from that question uh, because I, I know lots of people that have done things. Um, I've done things uh, that, that we all regret when we get too focused on happiness and happiness is a master. We want you to be our master. We want you to be the one we follow. So lay on our heart right now as we sing what our next step is with you what our next step of faithfulness is, what it looks like. We want to go 
wherever you want us to go. We want to be faithful because we know even if it's hard, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, even if it looks difficult, we know that the place you lead us is the place of blessing. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'd love to pray with you. Um, and I'd, we'd love to begin a conversation with you. If, if uh, you want to hear more about what kind of master Jesus Christ is to, as you follow him, why, why he's a better master than happiness, um, I'd love to begin talking to you about that uh, this morning if you want to come forward as we sing.